are elite. For everything you need to know about Mercedes Monet's AEW debut, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. In three, two, one. Welcome, everyone, to the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. You see... Whilst the other cultaholic lads are still sleeping off a long, long, long WrestleMania week, we are here via our Icapro powered DeLorean, where time is just a mere concept as we chronologically critique, thank you, OSW Review, the 90s of the early variety in WWF. Who be we? I be Fake Geordie, radio presenter, manager of Mickey the Dragon. Tom Campbell, IP with the bear in the big blue bar case, the man who controls the words that come out of his fingers onto the keyboard and through the power of the internet to the pages of Cultaholic. Some would say he is the head pencil for Cultaholic, and I would tell you he's wrong, and you are wrong for saying that, you naughty boy or girl, because everyone's welcome. He doesn't need a pencil. He needs a pen because he gets it right every time. Justin Henry from off of America over there. Well, you sound a lot livelier this week. <laughs> I'm I'm a bit more awake this week, although I'm I'm slightly lower toned than normal because it is creeping up to the midnight hour here in the northeast of England, where we are recording tonight. So the house is at rest, and I am at my best. So that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're recording three and a half hours later than usual. It's funny how that just that little bit of time just knocks everything out of proportion. But we are here, and that is the main thing. Slightly, as this is what, what would you normally be doing at this point? Um, either I would be out taking a walk before I come back and get my shower before Raw comes on, or watching The Simpsons on, on FXX, or possibly finishing up some work from Call to Hog that I've not, not finished yet, which actually the case right now. I'm three quarters of the way through the last piece of my weekly workload, which I'll be finishing up probably during Raw, because Raw will probably bore me by about 9.15 or so. I'd like to point out that you are truly a hero for watching all of Raw, because my my viewing of Raw in, ni- in 2019 is, and pardon me for being crass, but it would be sat on the toilet... With YouTube open, watching the highlights from the last night. <laughs> that is as good as it gets for me watching Raw. Oh, I, I'm i no hero, sir. I oftentimes don't get through Raw in 2019. In <laughs> well, fact, that makes me feel better. In fact, during NFL season, I forget Raw's even on. Wow. Oh, that is a dream. That is a dream. 
But anyway, we are we're thankfully not watching a three hour shake up. We are watching forty six minutes of the regular talent. Where and when are we this week, Justin? Uh, it is the third leg of a three hour TV taping. It is November first, nineteen ninety three. This was taped two weeks earlier at the Mid Hudson Civic Center in beautiful scenic Poughkeepsie, New York. And um is it just me, or did this show feel like it was three hours long? This did feel like a long show. This very much felt every minute of the third hour of a three-hour raw taping. <laughs> yeah, not the uh, not the most idealized episode of Raw, as we're kind of getting into the period where Raw loses its luster. I have to warn you in advance, although I'm sure if you know your history a little bit, you know that the dark days are in fact coming. Oh, yes. Winter is very much coming, to quote another popular program on TV at the moment. Yes, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. (laughs) You can just tell there is some real scattershot booking that we are privy to over this and the next few weeks. And uh, it's it's no, no more obvious than on this particular night. Yeah, it it really does just have that. Um, let's just get the hell out of here kind of a feel to it. Like, okay, we need to record one more show. Who haven't we used yet? Because uh, there's not really a whole lot of story advancement on this show. It's we just get... who's backstage. Get them out there. There was a little bit of story, but we'll get to it as we as we come to it. It is very minimal, though. It's like a glorified episode of Challenge from the same time period. Oh, that's a nice reference. That's very true. So we begin this show with a truly lovely and endearing sight. It is ba- it is it is Bastion Booger with his multi-stripped top down. He's backstage messily eating a ton of food. He's covered in what appears to be ketchup and mustard. And Bobby Heen is trying to interview him for some reason. Because on this show, Booger's going to be wrestling against Razor Ramon in a non-title match. And Booger's preparation is to eat a bunch of raw food. Which... That sounds extraordinarily healthy. I get it. It's like, oh, yeah, it's, oh, but there's, you can, it's fun because the show's called Raw. That's why we did it. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, but seriously, this guy might die because I watched him crack an egg on his head and eat it. That's that's just asking for salmonella poisoning. Hey, Rocky did that. Well, not the whole head part, but. Did he also eat a load of, <laughs> a load of uncooked hot dogs in bread? That would have been the fifth movie. I, I, I haven't seen that one in years. <laughs> it's ironically that is what Bastian Booger did. That's normally my pre-show warm-up for this podcast. Normally that'll be what I'd be doing beforehand. I just literally just get a little corner of the room, get all the eggs out the fridge, just start eating them, just pushing bread in. It's uh, it's it's it it's worked so far for me. Is that why you're usually so frantic when you come on the air because you just called 911 or whatever the emergency service is over there in the UK? Yeah, normally uh, I've I've dialed 999 and the ambulance with the stomach pump is on its way. So normally by about 10 o'clock it arrives. So as long as we're wrapped up by then, I can get all the badness out. It's part of the process. Never question my methods. All right. Never question my methods. Why is the emergency number over there three sixes upside down? Because... The devil is in the detail. Ho! Oh. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Ask a, ask a simple question, get a Tom Campbell answer. I always remember. 
<laughs> That's a t-shirt. I always remember William Shatner used to do a show. He was used to host like a show about yes! police calls. Do you remember it? Rescue nine one one. It was the best comedy ever. That was it. But he had there was a special added bit at the very end for the British viewers where he said, "If you spot an emergency, dial nine nine nine." Just lobbed in there for us. All the stupid English people dialing nine one one. P.S. Sulu's an asshole. I remember one episode of that show. I don't know why. <laughs> it's just stuck in my head where this one guy got stung. He was stung by a bunch of bees, and I just laughed. <laughs> he's, like, he's going to retrieve a frisbee, and then his, his legs are covered in bees, and I just. <laughs> I don't know why it was funny. The concept of being stung by a lot of bees will always be funny. Even beekeepers would agree with you. <laughs> Quick to the beemobile! How to defend themselves somehow? I would like you, when you, when we are done with tonight, Justin, to and you as well, listening. Please Google or, or no, it would be on YouTube. Search on YouTube for Doctor Bees. Doctor Bees. Doctor Bees. You will thank me. I promise. <laughs> Every wild bee dream comes true when you watch Doctor Bees. As long as you promise to watch The Wicker Man. Oh, yes. I needed an excuse to, and now I have one for that bees. Get sequence. off the bike. <laughs> oh, Nicolas Cage, why do we humor you? Why does he humor us? <laughs> you can tell this is an off-color episode of Raw, because we're eight minutes in, we've talked about the about 911 and <laughs> the Wicker Man and bees. <laughs> Well, Vince, well, at least Vince is enthusiastic because we go to the opening bit with him and he on the ringside. Still no Randy Savage because uh, a bee bit his tongue. Or <laughs> stung his tongue. Bees could be some like They sting, Justin. And, and then Vince, as if trying to convince himself that this is going to be a good show, goes, What about Virgil versus Adam Bomb? It's like, wow. I wish I believed in it as much as you did, Vince. Well, it's like Harvey Keitel said in Bad, Bad Lieutenant. Kind of salesman, are you? Came and back your own product. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And Vince truly believes that Adam Bomb and Virgil is a match that we want to know about and want to care about. Spoiler, we don't. Okay, my... But here we are. <laughs> that is my first Photoshop course of the week. John, Vince McMahon in Bad Lieutenant. John. I don't ask for much. I don't care what scene it is. Just put Vince in the movie. There you go. John. Get to work, thank you, please. We're a big fan of John's been very busy lately, and I've and, and if you don't follow at John Eiley, please do so. We did have a tweet from somebody this week who was who genuinely got starstruck when John Eiley followed them. So I think our work is done. <laughs> yes, John Eiley. John Eiley is the stenographer of our dimension. <laughs> he truly is. He is our scribe from our Matt Hardy weird videos. He's going to be the guy who talks to the news when one of us goes nuts. Oh, he, yeah. He's going to be the one that goes, to be honest with you, I always knew this would happen. <laughs> he, he is the Dave Meltzer or the Wade Keller to our collective Herb Abrams. <laughs> I think he is. <laughs> so, uh, Razor so, Ramon and Bastion Booger, come on. We've, we've, got, to, we've got to trudge through this. <laughs> Winter is coming. What? Are you saying this match wasn't good? I this was dreadful. 
<laughs> this was this will this was Razor Ramon making the best of a bad situation. And Bastion Booger's not a bad wrestler, but he is saddled with an appalling gimmick. Yeah. And weird farty music as he comes out. The, and he, and to me even worse than that, Bobby Heenan, who gives no dams at this point, and Vince doesn't either. Heenan implies that Booger's finishing move is a sleeper hold. No, when have hug. you seen? No, well, for first it was a sleeper hold. Early oh. on, he says, he says Heenan is inventing finishing moves for Bastion Booger at this point. I heard them Booger's talking move. a lot about the bear hug and saying if 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 Booger gets that bear hug in, then Ramon is done. And uh, this has won a lot of matches with the bear hug. Was that his no, actual finisher? No, his finisher was the trip to the Batcave, wasn't it? Where he just sits on yes. it. Yes, he's charmingly named move where he drops his grundle right onto your chin. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not a bad he's wrestler. Like... But he's just lumbered with this gimmick where can you go out and be disgusting, please? And his finishing move is basically him playing fish hatchery with your teeth. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. <laughs> John, do not Photoshop that ever. <laughs> ever. So Booger, so Booger arrives second for this match. He is now cleaned up. No ketchup, no mustard, no fish hatchery residue on, on his body whatsoever. Oh, Christ. And, and Vince, apparently fearing a lack of continuity here, says, oh, the officials cleaned him up before he came to the ring. I want oh, that footage. Yeah, well, Vince is, Vince is hot on the continuity. In fact, this week... I'd almost suggest that they showed off with the continuity this week. They were they were having some fun. All with I it. want is Gerald Briscoe. <laughs> All I want is Gerald Briscoe running over Booger with a floor buffer. <laughs> just as he walked, just as he stood in Gorilla, just just a quick once over in all the key areas. <laughs> Hold still, Mister Booger. <laughs> but he comes out and he's all like he's all shiny and slippery <laughs> and pliant. <laughs> Booger, did you put your head in the shino ballo? No. Maybe. Okay, <laughs> so, so Booger does his sexy dance before the match. Oh, good. Because he knows you're watching. Oh, I just made my day. And then the highlight of the match is the guy in the front row with the Hello RSPW sign. Ooh, I, I saw this. And this RSPW... That was a website, wasn't it? But not at this point, uh, surely. Uh, actually, it was. It started in 1990. Wow. I didn't think it was till later on. I thought at this point. I assumed at this point it must have been a newsletter. Oh, uh, RSPW was a news group. It was basically the precursor to Wrestling Reddit. We're just, uh, I don't want to call them asshole fans, but just uh, hip-to-the-room fans kind of hung out and talked wrestling and trading information about the indies and inside info from the from observer. A lot like today, what you see on Squared Circle or other forms of social media. The sort of like it gatekeeper was, types. Yeah. It was the precursor to all of that. And having hung around RSPW between maybe 2001 and 2004, I can tell you the Squared Circle today is a lot like that, albeit with a lot more infighting and a lot less moderation. I, I, I didn't quite... spend much time hanging around RSPW. I was familiar with like chat rooms and stuff, and how petty they could be. And then, obviously, you know, we now have Twitter, which is just a joy, <laughs> just, just, just an open sewer at all times. 
pretty much. Someone told me I look like Jonah Hill today. A random stranger on Twitter just popped up and said I look like Who Jonah Hill. You do not. You're I handsome. know, right? <laughs> it was just somebody just tweeted saying he looks like Jonah Hill, and I said, "By he, do you mean me, the person you're tweeting?" <laughs> and they just put yes with a picture of Jonah Hill next to me. <laughs> I don't know how to come back from that. I don't even see it, quite honestly. Neither do I. <laughs> Furious, quite frankly. Where's you could said you resemble Bastion Booger. I mean, it's true. I mean, I used to, uh, there was uh, what's happened is as I've lost weight, I'm now being compared to less just fat celebrities, which is nice. You know, uh, you know, I've gone from being from looking like an an out of an out of shape Gary Barlow from Take That to just looking like Gary Barlow from Take That, which is nice. <laughs> well, yes, the. Uh, and- Comparisons will improve, obviously. Exactly. That, and, if you, and, and if you're listening to this and you're going, you don't look like Gary Barlow from Take That. You know what? Don't even at me. I want to live in that world for a little bit longer. <laughs> don't even at me. In six months, I'll be. That's uh, Kieran Knightley with a goatee. <laughs> Mate, one can dream. One can dream. <laughs> so Razor begins this match by slapping boogers on. I want to say the T word here, but I'll clean up a little bit. Um, saggy pectorals, let's say. Well, he takes his straps down and he actually slaps him on the belly, doesn't he? Was that uh, a bit later point. on? Then it came later on when Booger dropped his straps a la Kurt Angle, so Angle stole it from Booger. Wait, that didn't happen. That's, uh, I think I'm hallucinating <laughs> now. No, I think that definitely happened. So, so after the. Um, Ariola harassment from Razor there. Uh, they do maybe 10 seconds of work, and all of a sudden, it's time for a commercial break. This is a taped show. They could edit this. What are they doing? They still are. They st- we are like 38 weeks in, nearly a year into Raw. Nearly a year, Justin. How's that happened? And we are still finding the sides with how we do live television, and it includes moments like this where they go, oh, just, just go to a break there. At least the cameramen are having seizures when there's action going on. I mean that that is yeah. that is a help. <laughs> yeah, but it's uh, literally just like it's like one and a half offensive moves, and all of a sudden, you know, it's time for you know, here's Burger King. Here's what you're going to see on USA later on tonight. Blah blah blah. <laughs> it's like it's like, oh, that's enticing. Way to keep me hooked on this match here. <laughs> so we so we come back and Booger hits this potentially finishing splash, which doesn't finish. And at this point, Bobby Heenan begins a show-long thread by informing us that today is his birthday. And Evie's correct. It, it was his 49th birthday on that day. So in terms of, like, he'd, he'd obviously done the maths and gone, this will be the third week of taping, so that will definitely be my birthday. I assume. Pretty much, yeah. Well, no, he, he recorded the commentary that day that this aired. Ah, uh, with you. But then, but the, but the, so therefore, you'd... He keeps mentioning it's my birthday, so maybe we're going to get a payoff to this. Maybe, maybe Doink will come and throw confetti on him or something. I'm sure they won't just keep saying it for no reason. What did you think was going to happen? 
I thought somebody might come at him at the end or something like that. I thought that maybe we'll get to a point near the end where it's his birthday, so he gets knocked about or something. Oh yeah. Oh, you had your hopes up. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I had my logical head on. I know, right? What a monster. <laughs> Vince actually asked him if he thinks fans care that it's his birthday. Yeah, I thought that was I a do. bit mean, actually. I'm a Bobby Heenan fan. Yeah, I care. Both of us care. Vince Vince impressed me at the start of this match by referring to Bastion Booger's adipose tissue. And I lost all respect when he said, do you think people care about your birthday, Bobby? I said, well, yeah, we do. We like Bobby Heenan. <laughs> Boy, Vince takes him on an emotional roller coaster, doesn't he? He really does. <laughs> what a man. We get the spot where Razor ties Booger in the ropes a la Andre. But unlike Andre, Razor actually plays with this guy's belly, slapping <laughs> around like he's Jimbo Jones. Imagine doing that to Andre. He would batter you. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. batter you. He used to, allegedly, when Jake Roberts is on the mat, stand on his hair and pull him up by the arms. <laughs> Why would you make the giant angry? I just... I, foolish. Foolish. Don't make him angry. But Booger's fine. Imagine, Booger's fair game. Imagine trying to give Bruiser Brody a purple nurple during a match. Umeng did. <laughs> now, Meng... Meng would be alright doing that. Yeah, I'm sure Haku would be harmless. He'd, he'd be playful and jovial and, and, and giggle along. No, but then if... But then Haku... Like, if Brody came at Haku... Gosh, I don't know. I don't know who'd be worse. <laughs> I think I don't know whether it would. It would be like a Dragon Ball Z fight, and it would span over like seventeen episodes, and they just get stronger and stronger. Like the Superman Doomsday comic, except everybody else dies except for them. <laughs> they just like there is just debris, and from it come Brody and Haku. <laughs> Pretty much. So, so Burger gets the bear hug at this point. First of two bear hugs, I should point out, which I know this is a great match. And Vince tells us that Booger has won a number of matches with a bear hug. And at, that, at this point in my notes, I wrote, it's fast and loose Monday. It really is, because I am I was racking my brain to think of Bastion Booger winning a match. I would just turn this into like, into like that time Kevin Nash did commentary on Thunder and start making stuff up. Like, Bastion Booger's a three-time Intercontinental Champion. Say what? <laughs> He's like, yeah, well, yeah, of course just, he is. Why not? Let's just... Let's roll with it. And it is during this match that people who don't get the syndicated shows, whoever they may be, learn the awful news that Tatanga's undefeated streak has ended. Oh, I know. That made me sad. We'll look at, we'll get more into that later on, but proper end of an era. Indeed, and there is one funny moment from that that I have to point out. I'm not sure if you noticed it or not, but for the time being, we go back to the what is now the second bear hug here at Bear Hug Mania. He was talking about all, all the guests are going to be at his birthday party later. He says Chevy Chase is going to be there. And Vince is incredulous. And he says, well, he's, not, well, he's not doing anything right now. And that was actually a big joke story at the time. Have you heard of the Chevy Chase show? I've heard of it, yeah. All five weeks it was on the air. Oh, uh, hence why... He's not going to be there because it was a... So was it just a bad show? Because I've never seen it. Uh, it's a, it is a legendarily bad talk show that Chevy Chase was ill-fitted to be a host. That wasn't his forte, and it showed. Oh, dear. 
It was a total fish-out-of-water thing. In the, in the late-night wars of the time, you had Letterman, you had, you had Leno, you had Arsenio Hall, and Chevy was uh, Chevy was the Paul Romo of the group. See, that's one of those things where that is a TV channel taking a punt on, like, let's get a heavyweight name in to host this show. Mm-hmm. It'll be fine. And they go, oh, no, no, this is not fine. This is This is very, very bad. Which reminds me, us Americans, thank you for James Corden. Oh, you, you, do you know what? It's You've got John Oliver as well, though. So <laughs> you, you can uh, have John Oliver. Back, I'm happy both? with John Oliver. You want both? Well, no, no I both. mean, I I'd care. like John Oliver back because I do like John Oliver. You want Corden back? I'll give you Corden. Nah, you, you can keep Smithy. That's absolutely fine. We don't want him. <laughs> it's, that is so weird. Like, it's it's weird to, to see Smithy hosting a a massive talk show in America because to us he is a comedy foil. This it's like it's like I tell you what it's like. It is like Kramer getting a talk show in the UK. How how dare you compare James Corden to Kramer? <laughs> In terms of like, because because James Corden was from a, a, an incredibly popular sitcom in the UK called Gavin okay. and Stacey, and he was very much a comedy foil in that show, and he was never going to be, he was never considered to be what would be the breakout star from it. There were others who should have been, but lo and behold, it was Corden, and there he is in America. Well, see, the problem is I can't picture Kramer doing "Please Like Me" bits where he sings songs on car trips with various celebrities and singers. Like, like, hey, look at me! I have famous friends. Um, um therefore, I'm famous too. Please like me. <laughs> yeah, it's it has that semblance of neediness about it. God bless him. Do you know what? I don't want to be James Corden, but I would certainly like to know his agent. I would like James yes, Corden's agent. That's what I'd like. Mm-hmm. He's inoffensive. Nobody can hate him. So, so Vince calls. So Vince, for the first time ever, gives us accurate commentary and causes a lethargic matchup. He's not wrong. <laughs> Even he's had enough of this. Oh, if Vince is saying that, <laughs> you know everybody's that was in the, trouble. That was the precursor to Jim Ross's. Well, this is a little bowling shoe ugly here. Sort of commentary. <laughs> Dropping the JR vernacular. It's always a problem when the comment when when the commentary just goes, "Yeah, this is crap." <laughs> this is it's always a problem because sometimes the great commentary can make up for a bad match, but when the commentators go, "No, we got nothing. This is awful," you know it's all gone wrong. Especially when it's the boss of the company who's sitting there watching this match. Oh, and goes, oh, this, is, this is kind of kind of dreadful, isn't it? You kind of forget that. And it's true. It's terrifying that the boss of your company is ringside for all your matches all the time. Where I work, there's a couple of radio stations and they'll have in the office, normally they'll have one of the radio stations on at a time. And it's always a nerve wracking day when it's the show that you're doing that is playing out to the whole office (laughs) because, you know, all managers are listening. And it's that <laughs> nervousness about, oh God, you know, you'll you'll get buzzed through if something, yeah, you'll get a buzz through from somebody if something was either funny or went wrong, and you'll get ribbed for it, <laughs> which is utterly terrifying. So I I never thought of it like that before, but it's true. Everybody's ringside with their boss watching. 
and their boss being the narrator as well, who's if he's had enough of you, you might sometimes notice it in his words. And well, I don't think Booker got a big push after this. <laughs> yeah, push away. Right. So Razor slams Booker kind of effortlessly. That got a big pop, at least. He tries for the Razor's edge, as if Booger backdrops him, sets up for the Batcave, he hits it, and then we get my least favorite finish in the history of finishes. The man who sits on the chest of the opponent thinking he's won, he's got his arms up in a victory pose. One, two, then the wrestler gets his legs up and pulls him into a sunset flip pin. The problem with that finish is that on two, when he gets the legs up, his shoulders are still down. So the ref should still be counting the shoulders. Exactly. So, so, so in my opinion, Booger won this match. Ah. Interesting. Yeah, because that, would, that wouldn't count as a kick out. The shoulders are still down. The pin's not been disrupted yet. So he'd need to do that sooner. Yeah. But as long as the match is over now, that's all I care yeah, about. Yeah, just... I think that's the important thing is, is that this match is now is mercifully over. I think Bastion Booger's kind of been positioned as this sort of beatable big lad, like almost like a jobber to the stars. Because last high-profile match we saw Booger in, it was to crush before the USS Intrepid debacle, in which he was there just so Crush could slam him about four times. And this match, it was Razor Ramon going, look at me beating a bigger lad. He's like a more gluttonous Akeem. Yes. <laughs> and nowhere near near as, as fabulous in the dress department. Yes, Booger needs to have Jive Soul Bros as theme. <laughs> <laughs> now, this next bit. Okay, so that match is done. We can we can put that out of our minds. And we're rolling into a Survivor Series report. Which Yes, I I have good I have good news. <laughs> I thought you'd be happy with this development. This is the first time in my entire life I've ever been happy to see Todd Pettengill. <laughs> Joe Fowler, I presume, has been future endeavoured. I don't think we're ever going to see Jumpin' Joe Fowler ever again. Oh, he's jumped off a cliff. It's off to infomercials for him because we have Todd Pettengill giving us a Survivor Series report. Now, now, how good was the in? to this report and this is what i mean when i say they were being particularly clever with the continuity on this because you had bobby heenan seemingly just doing a riff on tatonka that you kind of half listened to but you enjoyed the noises he made and you had top pettingill start this pre-wrecked bit by correcting him well because it was all filmed in advance so he he knows what he's responding to that but cutaway was filmed two weeks ago but what was great was it just the way how and, and it's down to Bobby more than anything how natural Bobby made that line feel, uh, which therefore led to that you feeling that they're literally just going straight to Todd who's standing by. I just appreciated it. Pretty... it. I appreciated good uh, good prereq planning. I appreciated it. You know, I'll go even further and I'll say for as much as as much crap as I've given Pentengill for being obnoxious. Make no mistake, he can be the one of the most obnoxious people on TV and radio if you listen to WPLJ. He was absolutely fine in this role. As the pay-per-view hype man, he was fine. He brought a, he, he did bring a certain gravity to it when he was being serious. And he's actually a solid voiceover guy, as, we, as we'll see in the coming years if we're still doing this, and I hope we are. But Pettengill, way better than Joe Fowler. 
<laughs> Very much it is so. Not even... <laughs> we have gone from, like, like, stage four pancreatic cancer to the flu. <laughs> what was your favorite Joe Fowler moment? Mine was the bit where he put his finger in his ear and spoke to his nothing. <laughs> Mine was when he stood there and Jim Cornette said, I'll tell you the biggest surprise, your employment. <laughs> See, we've all got Joe Fowler memories. Tell you what, <laughs> at JRH Writing or at Tom Campbell, tweet us your Joe Fowler memories. <laughs> I look forward to getting no tweets for that whatsoever. <laughs> I look forward to hearing nothing about that. <laughs> he was a tumbleweed with a necktie. Now, I can't figure out why Todd here is plugging the Evander Holyfield-Riddick bow fight. I'm thinking maybe Vince had like a financial stake in it. Yeah, I was but... curious about this. I Googled it thinking maybe – because I know WWF had dabbled in like promoting boxing in the past. Mm. But this didn't right. seem to be connected to the WWF at all. It just happened to be on that weekend. And I'm not sure if you noticed, but this is a pretty famous fight for one particular reason. Do you know why? Is it's not the it's not the not the bitey one, is it? No, that was Tyson and Holy Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Oh, go on then. This this is the one. This is the one where uh, that fan flew in with the giant fan contraption from the top of the building. Wow. That was a uh, James Fan Man Miller, I think was his name, and that was kind of a. Uh, well, it made it made the news everywhere. Oh, I don't remember this, but I will now watch it. I looked up Bo Holyfield, and one of the things that came up when I looked it up earlier, it gives me a YouTube link to Holyfield versus Bo one round ten, that is labelled as one of boxing's greatest rounds. So I'm intrigued by the magic that Bo and Holyfield clearly had together. Well, they faced off three times, and this and this was the second fight when this happened in '93. Um, if you recall, the Simpsons episode where Homer was a boxer, and uh, what's his name? Uh, Dredrick Tatum almost was about to knock him out. Then Mo flies in with that fan contraption with a parachute and rescues Homer. That was based on Fan Man. Right. Okay, I've seen that, so I know that's I, I know the Simpsons bit. I didn't know it was based on that. That's good to know. Yes. I thought you were going to say it. Simpsons predicted it. I predict everything else. And James Fanman Miller has actually since passed on. He unfortunately uh, committed suicide in 2002. Hung himself somewhere in Alaska. Oh, jeez. He's only 38 years old. Oh, bless him. That's that's a what, what a tortured soul to have gone at 38. He actually did other like disruptions of different events, I believe. He, um, he tried doing something... At, and an NFL playoff game two months later, over top the LA Memorial Coliseum, he d he did like a bunch of bizarre stuff just for attention, I guess, or just because he just like I guess enjoyed the notoriety of it all. He was, he so was he was never very... part of the production. He just sort of flew in. Yeah, he he did on his own accord. And the, he got beaten up as soon as he landed there at the flight, and the, he was arrested. And it was it was a big incident. It was all over the news. Oh jeez, yeah, I can see, I can see why he sounds like he was a bit of a tortured soul. If that was the top of his agenda on a weekly basis, just to just to rock up and disrupt stuff. <laughs> he said that 
he said after the fight, he said it was a heavyweight fight, and I was the only guy who was knocked out. <laughs> oh God. Oh man, that's that's so that, that's a weird old life to lead. So it was a pretty famous boxing match, albeit not for what happened inside the ring. But for some reason, now, the WWE want to talk about it. Well, the, well, they had no idea what's going to happen, or did they? <laughs> Turned out the fan man was Bastion Booger with all the weight gone. <laughs> what a dream. <laughs> Who would have ever guessed? <laughs> so, we get, so we get to the real meat of the Survivor Series report, which is Tatanka still being advertised for the All-Americans Foreign Fanatics match. However, not only is his... Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Streak over at the hands of Ludwig Borga, but he has possibly ceased to be as a result of the, of the post-match assault from Borga and Yokozuna, in which he takes, and I'm sure this has to be horrific, a bonsai drop while laying on his side. Oh, God, it just made me cringe. Really did. I love the build, though, for the foreign fanatics. I like the whole thing where... This is a Survivor Series team that have just been hoied together, but they have like aligned themselves, and now they're like mm-hmm. a unit, and then working to take out different members of the team, starting with Tatanka. I like that. Did you see the best part of this clip when Lex Luger goes to make the save? He comes running out the curtain. Now, here, here's the man who's presumably the Superman of WWE. He, he's coming. He's, he's running in to save his tag team partner and good friend Tatanka. And as he's, keep in mind, Tatanka has just had his ribs crushed. He could be bleeding internally for all we know. As soon as Luger enters the aisle way, he starts tagging hands with the fans. I saw, I've written here, why did he stop to slap fans' hands? Like, he's on his way to save his mate. It's, I think that, oh, Luger is so out of his depth as this super good guy. Like, he's, in his head, he's been, I can, you know what, I can kind of, 
kind of getting the head of Luger here. And Luger's probably been told, okay. slap hands as you walk down the aisle. Slap hands as you walk down to the aisle. Because he wouldn't instinctly know to do that. <laughs> so he's running out and his brain is gone like, uh, slap hands, slap hands. <laughs> he's almost gone into like this weird autopilot. That would be like, if you're like one of Randy Savage's being bitten by Jake Roberts Cobra, if when Piper hit the ring, he starts taking selfies with fans at ringside. <laughs> but is there around some fans aren't like, ah, take the picture, kid. And that's what it's like. I think because, and I think it says, that little snippet there says so much about where Lex Luger is as a, as, as a baby face, that he's so out of his depth with it, that... <laughs> He feels like he's doing the right thing when really it's not. Uh-huh. Like, and if you have to think that much about it, it's not for you. Imagine being a firefighter and you're driving the truck to a to, the, to a fire, and this, and you stop the car to pet a cat. <laughs> no, what it is is no. It's like if you're a firefighter and you have the fire engine, and you've been told, can you make sure that you log? Um, the the petrol gauge at the end of your shift before you do, and it's like going oh there's a fire, right into the fire, building on fire, building a blaze, and you stop and go right okay there in a minute I just need to write down how much fuel we've used because <laughs> that's what I've been told to do I'm gonna do that really quickly and then put the fire out it's that it's like when you when it's not natural. You, you make it a process. And this is like Luger has taken the babyface thing and made it a process <laughs> because it feels so unnatural to him. If, if he was any more mechanical, Vince would be controlling him remotely. <laughs> but you'll see a lot of Lex as the years go by, not just here at the WWF, but everywhere. There is such an, an, a, a spectrum-like awkwardness about him. In everything he does, like and and it's from the way he talks, the way he moves. It's like a weird motor skills thing. The infamous scene where he goes to high five Jimmy Hart, and Jimmy Hart doesn't return it, so he just turns it into like a pose. <laughs> but it's blatant. He's just been left hanging on a high five. Hindsight being twenty twenty, would you have given Sid the same push? Oh, good question. I, I'd say yeah, because I feel like <laughs> I don't feel like Sid was as awkward as Lex. You know, you don't. No, I think Lex was more awkward. I, I just think I, I genuinely do. Can you imagine Sid giving the promo when they had the contract signing and yelling about? It? And you're like the yogis doing about patriotism and all that. How great that would have been. Would have been incredible. You tell me it wouldn't have been ace. I think <laughs> just Remember kids, there are there are no bad Sid promos, just bad people. I just wonder who else on that roster you could have done that whole thing with that would have felt natural, more natural. Savage. Savage. Yeah, but Vince Yeah, Vince thought he was too old at that point. Remember? I know, but imagine that summer of ninety three. With Randy Savage as like the 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 old fabulously dressed gunslinger cowboy, and and like having one last crack at being the guy, that'd have been I, I such won, a cool summer. I won by count 
Honey, I don't know what that means. <laughs> don't take me behind the woodshed and shoot me, because I don't know what that means. <laughs> so we have the Foreign Fanatics interview now. They all have a jobber entrance, which is not a good sign. No music for any of them. It's Yokozuna, Ludwig Borger, and the Quebecers, also known as the greatest Survivor Series team ever. <laughs> and they're flanked by the greatest holy trinity of managers that don't include Bobby Heenan ever. Johnny Polo, Jim Cornette, and Mr. Fuji. And Jim Cornette is, is wearing a lemon suit. It is a thing of beauty. It really is. And I gotta say, 1993 Jim Cornette looks exactly like Brian Zane. It is uncanny. He does, doesn't he? Isn't that incredible? They have to be related. Corn Corny had to made a stop somewhere in the old Dono in Portland territory. And and got an almost some woman around 1984 or so, and boom, here's Brian. Um, interestingly enough, and I thought about this the other day, and you've reminded me. So a little bit of a little bit of show admin as we roll along. Um, are we are we friends with Brian Zane? Are you friends with Brian Zane? Yeah, I get along with Brian. Does he want to do a like a a watch along with us? <laughs> I'd be more than happy to get in touch with him. Although that's gonna be a question. hell of a time. That's going to be a hell of a time zone difference because uh, he's three hours behind me. He lives out on the West Coast. Ah, so we can figure something out. We'll figure it out. We've we've got lots of other people, but there we go. Just dropping that in there. Bit of show admin before I forget. So back to the uh, Brian Zane 93, a.k.a. Jim Cornette. Yes, he cuts his usual sterling promo here. But it's Borger who steals the show because we find out it's going to be him versus Scott Steiner on Raw next week, and I can't wait for that match oh now. Oh, my God. I have never been more excited for a Raw match than Borger and Steiner. Over Virgil and Adam Baum? Do you know what? It's a close second, but this is definitely <laughs> my number one. <laughs> I'm just sad it's not Borger versus modern-day Scott Steiner. Oh, man, that would be... Yeah, that that's... An exciting prospect, but you know what? I'll happily take 93 Borger versus 93 Steiner because it's the best we're going to get to 2019 Lesnar versus 2019 Steiner. <laughs> Borger tells us that Scott Steiner can't read or write, but apparently he does understand fractions, as he would demonstrate 15 years later. <laughs> <laughs> he says what he did to Tatanka was a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> the numbers don't lie, and it spells trouble for Tatanka's rib cage. <laughs> so it's pretty basic but enjoyable promo from the heel team here. It's just a funny thing to throw at uh, to throw at Scott Steiner. Like, well, Scott Steiner can't read or write. It's like, well, there's no evidence to say that. That's just you've just plucked <laughs> potentially a lie out of the air. Oh, and another thing, another thing. Rick Steiner feeds burgers to swans. Like, does he? I mean, maybe it's like, like a euphemism for something. Maybe it's like it could be a euphemism for something that we just don't understand. It may be. <laughs> poor Rick Steiner feeding poor, poor swans, getting burgers fed to them. John. John, <laughs> some photo evidence, please, of Rick Steiner feeding burgers to swans. 
Yes, we don't ask for much here. We ask for bizarre stuff. <laughs> stuff that's so esoteric, the only we get it. <laughs> so we go to Mr. Perk versus the Executioner, and I'm going to assume this is Dwayne Gill. Based it, on the sounds he was admitting while selling. It does look like Dwayne Gill. It's a very small frame. If if you're a sadistic person and you enjoy like watching people suffer, this match is for you. Because all all Perfect does for five friggin' minutes is work on his legs with torturous submission holds. We are still seeing this aggressive Mr. Perfect, aren't we? Like, this seems like a, a, a trope that continues to come back, is that Mr. Perfect is just angry and just keeps on really battering the jobbers. Well, I might as well enjoy it because this is the last time we're going to be seeing him on Raw for a long time. Really? He actually finished up in real life over this previous weekend. There was some sort of dispute. I can't remember what it was, but he ended up leaving the company. Oh, gosh. Oh, so what, what a shame. So, I always I assumed this was leading to something with Perfect. Well, it probably was, but he was going to be on Razor Ramon's Survivor Series team, and he, in fact, acknowledges that he's going to be on that team. But he didn't make it to the show and had to be subbed out for. Hopefully the only sub on Survivor Series <laughs> night. <laughs> yeah, Everything else holds up pretty well compared to the original booking <laughs> for the show. Everything else is just smooth sailing. It's like, you know, it's like an indie show. It's just smooth sailing. Nobody pulls <laughs> out. It's all fine. Vince didn't even have to book cards to book the change for this because everything held up. <laughs> <laughs> well, we say goodbye to Perfect then, and he goes out the way that he has lived on Raw. Just unnecessarily, awkwardly destroying enhancement talent. There was one there was one point in this match where he he does the um he he puts him in this complex hold of the executioner where he pulls his foot up to his face, which looks about as fun as it sounds. <laughs> and then there was a funny I'm sorry, go ahead, you were gonna say No, I was gonna say there's a bit where he's got him in like a figure four. Is this the bit you're about to talk about where he's got him like a figure four style leg lock and the executioner just keeps popping up and going oh. and powering up and perfect just slaps him in the face and knocks him back down. Well, that was good also. The uh, he, he actually did the doink a few months prior to this in that King of the Ring qualifying match. He put him in a hold, doink, sit up, slapped to the face, and it was, it was perpetual for a bit. But there was a point when Perfect had him in like a... It was almost like the... Um, what do you call that movie that Terry Funk does? Spinning toe hold. He's just standing there. He, like he's, he's setting up for a hold. He's kind of stalling a bit. Executioner's down. He's in pain. Tim White has a count Executioner down at that point. It's like the prelude to a hold. Like, well, shoulder down there. I got called like a shoot. One, two. He kicks it out like. Oh, I like that. I like that Tim White it was so on the ball a couple of times when his shoulders went down. He was right in there. Where was he when, you know, Bugger had perfect, had Ramon's shoulders down for three, though, is anybody's guess. Or see, yeah, when Ronda Rousey got her shoulder up in the main event of Mania 35. <laughs> yeah, we could have done with Tim White there. Jesus. Tim, that is wise. Oh, poor Tim. And poor, poor Ronda not kicking out of three. But Bobby Heenan gets an eerily prescient line during this match where he says, last thing I need is to take a pay cut. Oh. He'll be gone a month later. He wasn't here much longer after that. I was going to say it wasn't long after he got a pay cut that um, he went to join the Hulk Hogan show in Atlanta. 
Uh, eventually, yes. And and we and and we think nights like this, he can't be bothered. Whoa, whoa, you need to listen to him on Nitro. He really can't be bothered. I just want to review that show now. Hell, he he hell, basically is just there in body and not in spirit. It, not basically. That it, that is how the arrangement went. Oh man, it was sad. But then I read his book a while ago, and he talked about that time and said that he would offer suggestions to the writing team for things to do, and they just didn't seem interested in having his opinion on anything. And he just he just decided, I just I'm just going to collect the paycheck. I'm just going to turn up. Do the bare minimum and go home because they seem disinterested in me doing anything more than that, and that's what he did. If what he says is true, then you can't blame him, can you? And what a shame, though, to have such an incredible um, mind in wrestling who is no longer with us, but all those wasted years because you decided that your opinions on wrestling were more prevalent than Bobby the Brain Heenan's. I thought about this years ago. Imagine if you'd returned to like '95 to WWE. When Monsoon became the president, can you imagine him like running against him? Oh my God, that'd have been amazing. And Bobby's always <laughs> been one that's so good with building new people. Like it was never about like the old school with Bobby Heenan. He was always looking ahead, and you could mm-hmm. and, and he knew that he was. It's the love that he gives to other managers, to his peers in that role, says everything. Like he never you know, talked down about Jim Cornette. When Jim Cornette came in, Bobby Heenan was celebrating like it was the greatest day in wrestling. We watched that Raw when he did. And that's amazing because Bobby Heenan knew that he wanted to get Jim Cornette over. Mm-hmm. As, as Heenan would sell for anybody. He'd put anybody over. He was all about the products. He was all, all about just make, ensuring that everybody who came after him got over as much as they needed to get over. And there's something wonderful about that, and and there's something great when you've, when you're gifted enough in whatever field of work you do, you're in a position where you can make people stars and make things bigger than they are through what you do, mm-hmm. and not for your own personal means. It's amazing, and Bobby Heenan was just a master at this. Really was. And it's just a shame that WCW spent all that time just phoning it in because they they put him in a position where they didn't they didn't want his opinion. Yeah, it's this mechanical working environment. It wasn't the same as WWE, and you see it and you see it from various people over the years who have left this company to go elsewhere. They say, man, it, it wasn't like the way it was in WWE, and that's other than the money. It's probably why a lot of them come back. Just that familiarity and that. To a certain degree, comfortable working environment. I'm not saying that's always been the case, but no. And I get the feeling that with WWE today, it kind of feels a bit like the WCW of then, to an extent, where it is like a comfortable machine that you can hop on and hop off. Yeah, it's uh, you, you do notice that. But anyway, so, we're not in that machine right now. We're in a DeLorean, which is a different machine, and we're back in 93, and Bobby Heenan, as you say, talking about pay cuts on his birthday and uh, <laughs> talking about a night out at Tootsie's Orchard Lounge. Yes, we're coming up to that after, after Kurt Hennig wins the Perfect Plex. Thanks for coming, Mr. Perfect. Going to miss you. 
we'll see a couple more times in the in the spring when you make a brief comeback. But we'll get we'll cross that bridge when we get there. We have a Jeff Jarrett vignette, and thankfully a shorter one. This is not a seven-minute stand-up about the corrupt politics and country music, which all the kids are talking about these days. <laughs> On the Heenan money. Does, <laughs> Heenan does get in a hilarious line about this Tootsie's Orchid Lounge, I think it was called, where like a lot of country acts got, to, got their start or, or, or good performer or whatever. He says, it's a really nice about going Saturdays to get vacuumed. <laughs> <laughs> He says it with such cheerism, and Vince is so disgusted by that idea. That you can tell by the way Vince shakes his pencil that he is disgusted by what Bobby Heenan said. He's just sad that he didn't think of it. <laughs> I have to say that Jeff Jarrett's jacket is incredible, though. Oh, it's it's amazing. It's it. Jeff Jarrett is a snappy-ass dresser at this particular point. Lovely black and red finish on the hat and the jacket. It's a strong look with Elton John glasses to compliment. He looks like a star here. He really does. Even though he, even his material here is is pretty dirt boring. Yeah, because he does touch on politics again. Only he does say, <laughs> "Oh, I did talk about corrupt politics in country music, haven't I?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, mate, you have." And I, and I care less about it now than I did last week. <laughs> I can't figure out why he called Razor Ramon an Italian. What was that all about? I, I wasn't... I, I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> Some Italian he boy. Is it because... Like, is, there, is there Italian roots to... Right? No, it's not, is there? I think he's like German heritage, but I could be wrong. My guess is that because maybe the guy who played Scarface is Al Pacino, he just he assumes that Razor's an Italian trying to play a Cuban drug dealer. Yeah, I think maybe there's. It just it just seemed like an <laughs> odd connection to make. <laughs> Should have called him Serpico while he was at it. <laughs> but he talks he about what cop, he's doing. He's face cop. to face with Ramon, and and looks like we've got he, a he feud the... for the future. He calls men on the mission homeless. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't dispute that. I mean, they are wearing uh, foil, which keeps you warm, which would suggest <laughs> if they were homeless, it helps keep the cold away. And maybe he knows something we don't. <laughs> the smoking guns versus your favorite tag team ever. Well done. Oh, my God. I'm so excited to get to call a match with Timothy Well and Stephen Dunn. I have to say, they were actually a good team, and you saw it in this match to a certain degree. They were a solid, fundamental, Southern-style heel tag team, but their gimmick... Um, do you want to describe this, or should I? Um, well, I'm going to attempt to. Um, their name is a pun on their surnames that says, well done, and they mm -hmm. wear thongs over their jocks, and... Were they meant to be strippers? I guess like Chippendale types, albeit like, with singlets. But then they're like, <laughs> they're not, they're not buff enough to be Chippendales or strippers. <laughs> but no, regardless, not. they are wearing thongs over their trunks. Can I share a story with you here? I would love you to. 
maybe about seven or eight years ago, we, we had this gathering one Sunday at my brother's house for football. It was like the NFL playoffs that, that year. And there's this guy in my group named James. He's basically, he's like Chief from um, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Just very quiet. Friendly guy, but just very, very quiet. Big dude, too. Probably about 6'3", maybe about 270 pounds. Just a very big man. But as I said, very understated, very quiet. We were watching the 95 Rumble match. Just like before football came on, just for something to do, because it was like January. You know, we're getting Rumble spirit. Stephen Dunn comes out. In, in the same similar outfit that you see here, then he starts cracking up laughing, and he just keeps repeating, this word of fun, like six times he said this. <coughs> and that is Stephen Dunn's legacy. <laughs> He's known as the guy who wears a thong, more so than Rikishi's legacy. <laughs> I think it must, have been a, it must have been a stripper gimmick, which is, hence the thong and, and the bow ties. It must have been a stripper, but it's it's just an odd. I always find stuff like this fascinating because you think somebody made that. No, somebody designed that. Somebody then made that. Somebody then signed off on that, and then they walked out wearing it. And at no point did anybody flag this might look daft. Was this possibly a rib on Kevin Dunn? Oh, do you reckon? Could have been. Can you imagine Pete Dunn wearing this? Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure. I'm sure it crossed their mind. I mean, part of me now wants to start the rumor that um, Pete Dunn is is a descendant of the Steve of Stephen Dunn of Well Dunn. <laughs> Can you imagine what his mother would look like then? Because Stephen Dunn is a uh, Southern American. Who has unfortunately since passed on him and Timmy, him and Will both actually no longer with us. Oh, what a sh- oh, oh, that's true. Yeah, I've, I've just, I've been, I've pulled up the well done Wikipedia, and yeah, they, um, yeah, they're both gone, sadly. And Stephen Dunn, personality-wise, is the total opposite of Pete Dunn, whose penchant is for breaking people's fingers while sort of grinning passively, is enjoying the sadism of injuring other people. I can't imagine him having the well-done gimmick. <laughs> but even so, we welcome well done to Monday Night Raw. I'm sure this is the beginning of a long and fruitful relationship on Raw. The highlight of this match, other than some decent heel work from well done, was Bobby Heenan making a now-dated Vince Coleman joke. Which... Is he where he talks about J.C. Penny? J.C. Penny? Um, it wasn't that one. It was Vince Coleman. It had it. I can't remember what the context was that, that caused him to make the joke. It had to involve fire or pyrotechnics of some sort, which spurred the joke. Is Vince Coleman's a former baseball player who was arrested in 1993 for throwing a firecracker into a crowd of fans while driving away from a game. Right, so he was referencing him. Yeah. It did make me laugh a little bit because, I, because I'd forgotten all about that incident until he never brought it up. We got a cool spot in this match where Bart Gunn tries for a head scissors, I think on Timothy Well, and tries to walk along the top rope with his hands. So Dundas walks over and just throats him on the top rope while Well drops him as well. <laughs> this I, was just I, a very... I, it was relatively back and forth, but you kind of knew all along that this was going to be the smoking guns match. Mm-hmm. 
but I did enjoy seeing Well Done. The uh, I just if the gimmick wasn't so daft, I it's almost like the sort of issue that they've got that puts me in mind of um, Jimmy uh, Gigolo Del Rey and and Dr. Uh, Tom. Richard and Doctor Tom. In the sense that, like, it's it's a very southern gimmick, but they're given room to breathe as wrestlers. Whereas the well done thing, like, no matter how much momentum they get going in a match, you're still looking at two blokes wearing thongs on the outside. Yeah, they can't unwear them. They can't unwear them, them, and I can't unsee them. <laughs> this could have been the fate that Scott Dawson and Dash Wilder faced. Oh, don't put thongs on the outside of them. <laughs> Poor buggers. <laughs> So, so Matt continues, Billy gets the hot tag, starts hitting everyone. Then all of a sudden, Harvey, Harvey Whippleman is the manager. Well done, poor bastard. Trips him for the DQ, and that's it. It's a decent little match while it lasted. But then, uh, but the the smoking guns get the comeuppance at the end. Uh, Hoy and Weldon out of the ring, and um, is it is it Stephen? Is it is it is it well? <laughs> is it, or is it Dunn that gets the double drop kick? They're not labeled have, very well. <laughs> should, should have had a move called the wellness policy. Oh, mate. <laughs> that would have been fun. <laughs> and, then, and then Timmy Wendy says, you're gone for 30 days. And walks away. <laughs> it was a move that took you out of action for 30 days. And if it hit you with it again when you came back, you were gone for 90. <laughs> Imagine how well that would have gone over. All Tim Wall has let the face our guys are out of shape in cruiserweights. <laughs> and Randy Orton, who, who was suspiciously in the toilet for too long before this match started. Randy Orton would be like the undertaker to him. He, he thinks he's beating him, but he keeps coming back from the dead. I thought you were gone. <laughs> back again, bitches. <laughs> now hand me the drugs. <laughs> I need another holiday. <laughs> I'm not suggesting that's by Randy Orton. <laughs> What Randy Orton did, by the way. <laughs> oh no, not at all, not at all. He levitates out, out of the casket after Well thinks he's finished them all. <laughs> Be not just, proud. <coughs> just head pops up, eyes roll back. <laughs> hey, I can defecate on you from up here. <laughs> so, so we have this sudden edit to the commentary table. I wonder, I wonder what was taken out there. We have Randy Savage calling in. Savage has the professional courtesy to at least sound like he bit his tongue. He made I'd like to think when he was on the phone, like he, before he made the phone call, like I'd like to think he was a um, a method actor and just bit down really hard on his tongue. <laughs> or he stuck his tongue in scalding water just for for effect. <laughs> He's the Christian Bale of wrestlers. We'll do anything, anything they did to get in the proper character. So he fouls to return the next week. Voice is a bit muffled. Hina mocks him. It's about what you'd expect. Now we come to the main event. And boy, what a main event this is. I I don't know if this match was good or bad. I don't know. I think it's I think it was serviceable, to quote my friend Dave Roberts. It was a serviceable match that served a purpose as to remind us that Adam Bomb is a badass. And Virgil is there too. 
So yes, it's Adam Bomb versus Virgil, Chronic versus the NWO B team. Is this the first? Oh yes, it is, isn't it? It is. Is this the first time as well that we've seen Virgil since he was attacked by Yakazumo, Yokozumo, whatever that guy's name is? Um. Hmm. After he took a shellacking from Yokozumo. I think uh, Bam Bam may have gotten him in the spring at some point. Ah, uh, okay. So he took a shellacking from Bam Bam as well. And now he's back to take a shellacking from Adam Bomb. Yes, Instead of forming the dream team of Olive Garden nuked, we have uh, the single match between Adam Bomb and Virgil. When I say nuked, I mean microwaved. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying destroy uh, Olive Garden. Olive Garden has great food and free salad and breadsticks. Very so, nice. When you're here, you're family. Are... Exactly. Some people are chanting for Virgil. It's the end of a taping, and they're all delirious, obviously. <laughs> I like how commentary really sells Virgil as like, a veteran. Well, technically, he is. He is, which is a sad state of affairs. When two years ago, he was Ted DiBiase's butler. But now he it is was a like... veteran of the ring. <laughs> it's like that time on Nitro when Hacksaw Dude Nugget says, Hulk, you're a great technical wrestler. Because te- <laughs> and, he, and he was right. Technically, Hawk was a wrestler. There is nothing technical about popping up from a pile driver. That is not a technical move. So help me God, Adam Bomb and Virgil did the Hogan Warrior crisscross. <laughs> and Virgil decked him with the a clothesline where I thought he was just going to collapse in front of him at first. <laughs> just clattered into him. It was so undignified. There are several points in this match where Virgil attempts a crossbody and Bomb can't catch him. <laughs> That was a bit. I don't think that in itself was a bit of a rib in the sense they went, should we just do Hogan Warrior? Yeah, why not, mate? (laughs) Like that, there's a match from Impact a few years ago now. It was Spud versus Grado. And they Mm -hmm. just went through the finish of like, of pretty much every WrestleMania during the match. It was amazing. Like, and there was like, the, the bit where Shawn Michaels went for a sweet chin. Austin turned it into a stunner. They did that in the match. They crossed over tombstones. They... <laughs> it's, so, was there a, so was there a spot where Grado got blinded and he was on the floor and then someone filled in for him and won the belt on his behalf? Pretty much. <laughs> I'm going to find you the link to it so you can watch Spud and Grado. And just so you know, Raw is now on. It is uh, shake-up time. I have the Stephanie's coming out, so I'm going back to Adam Bomb versus Virgil where it's safer. <laughs> um, <laughs> we didn't get my favorite spot of the match where Virgil chases Harvey around, Harvey around ringside. Harvey's a busy night here. He chases him forever, and they pass Adam Bomb at one point. <laughs> that was funny. This match... This match is as coordinated as Jim Cornette's wardrobe. It's just incredible. But I think Virgil does make up for it because shortly after that, he rolls back into the ring and just dives out at Adam Bomb, who's just In one there. fluid motion. For, first of all, it's Mr. Perpetual Motion here. He's a house of fire. Absolutely incredible. Like, to be fair, Virgil wasn't too bad here. He was kind of trying he was just, he was just like, sod it, let's just go for it, mate. <laughs> it's end of, end of a three-hour taping where the last one's on. Let's just get out there and have a laugh. Shane's coming out now. I'm trying to ignore it. Montreal's booing them. Um, so, 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 so Justin is now basically he is astride the the I could propel with Delorean, 
with one foot in 2019 watching Shane and Stephanie and then one foot in 93 watching Adam Bomb and Virgil. Got my thighs hurt. <laughs> I'm doing the Robbie and the M split over the two chairs at this point. <laughs> that would I'm suggest that your grundle is somewhere over the Attitude Era. <laughs> it's not a... It's not a back cave at this point. If it is, it's been decimated. <laughs> anyway, come on, Virgil. Virgil. <laughs> Virgil of the Superstar the Shake missile drop kick. The Virgil cannot overcome Adam Bomb and, and then jobs to the up and at them smasher. <laughs> that match was something else. <laughs> Send him home happy. It was kind of... It was it was probably better than it deserved to be. And it, uh, and it deserved yeah. to be nothing. But I think Virgil, who just went, sod it, I'm just gonna I'm gonna use all the cardio <laughs> I've ever had in this match. I gotta do the whole best in the world thing with Shane. Oh god, my head hurts. Um <laughs> So yeah, that match was something. That was a thing. Adam Bomb wins. What a treat for everybody involved. Next week, oh my God, Ludwig Borger and Scott Steiner. Not only that, but Crush is going to be there as well. And we have the return of Randy Savage. And the Bobby Heenan, after spending all night discussing his birthday, tries to sing a happy birthday to himself, he gets through one line, and then the show cuts out. <laughs> That's about as good as we're going to get to a payoff for the birthday thing. So I think we need to be grateful for at least some kind of payoff. And speaking of payoffs, that we're not going to get other chaining CM Punk now in Montreal. Oh, God. See, I kind of want to stay up and watch this now. But hey. It's eight. We're four minutes in. They're already chanting for Punk. <laughs> now, okay, we'll wrap this up. Next week for Monday Night Raw, um, obviously we've got Borger, we've got Crush, we've got Savage. Now, in the thumbnail Steiner. for Raw and Steiner, for Raw 39, the thumbnail... There's a picture of Bob Backlund. Please tell me we're getting Bob Backlund as well. Hang on, I want to confirm that. HistoryWB.com, backslash93.htm. Thank you, Graham Colton, for this amazing website. You can afford to update it once in a while, but it's great as it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. November 8th. I guess we're we're actually in a new state for the show coming up next week. Yes, Bob Backlund does wrestle Barry Horowitz on the show. Oh my god, now that is a clash of the champions, if I ever heard it. Bob Backlund, Barry Horowitz. The show is going to be in Bushkill, Pennsylvania at the Fernwood Resort. <laughs> hey, Raw's third state. Cross it off. Amazing. Right, so we will leave you with that. Um, John, if you can Photoshop... Har- Barry Horowitz and Bob Backlund like the WrestleMania 17 poster. That would be great. Thank you. You've had a quiet one this week. It's a nice big project for you. <laughs> I need to win this match, you plug me in. <laughs> I need to win this match. I need to beat it's you, Lim- Deborah's my manager. <laughs> Instead of Limp Bizkit, it's a Frank Sinatra's version of my way. <laughs> oh, that is a dream. John, can you please make the My Way video with Frank Sinatra's My Way? Don't kill the guy. Kill the guy. They did a finisher staff. It's it's Harwood's putting him in the chicken wing, and it's back hitting the three-quarter Nelson. (laughs) This could be an epic. I'm excited. 
Uh, he is at JRH writing. He's about to get out the I could propel with DeLorean and go and review the Superstar shakeup. So have fun with that, you lucky devil. I ain't reviewing that damn thing. I'm just watching it because it's something to do. I'm review. I'm I'm fingers crossed for Pete Dunne to debut on Raw tonight. Come on, Birmingham. <laughs> sure. Up the brummies. He is JRH writing. I am Tom Campbell. I'm going to bed. Up Pete Dunne. Well done. I love you. Bye. And that will do it. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 